welcome to the podcast for St. Andrew's Community United Methodist Church, a loving, caring, overcoming community of faith where our mission is making disciples of Jesus Christ. Well, hi, friends, and welcome back to the St. Andrew's Podcast. We are so glad that you have joined us for another episode. Hope that wherever you are listening, you are healthy and well and enjoying a beautiful day that God has given to you. And I am so excited to be in studio with my good friend, my senior pastor, Pastor D.A. Bennett. How are you doing today? I, I'm doing great. And it, it, it's so funny because you said, you know, I'm in studio and, and I just want to <laughs> I want to move the curtain so people can see behind it. But uh, one of the things y'all would want to know is that the podcast is one of our means of digital discipleship. And, and we're talking and thinking and dreaming about, hey, is there some way that we could also make this available on video? But today we are uh, experiencing a satellite studio. Pastor Stephanie and I are not actually in the same room. Uh, she, she is at home uh, convalescing her daughters that aren't feeling very well, and I'm in the office. And all this is possible not only by the miracles te- of technology, but by the miracle of our audiovisual tech guru, uh, Jeff Smith. Jeff has worked it out. So I just want y'all to know if, if this sounds a little different, Jeff and I are in my office, but Stephanie is in her home studio, and it's probably good that it's January because I am very certain that if this were June, we would be going, and she's sitting by the pool and has a cold drink in her hand while we're in the office. You know that's what would be going on. You are so right. And I love, too, what you said about it all being made possible by Jeff. I like to say that with God, all things are possible, and with God and Jeff, all things are possible. all things are possible and he works through Jeff. Yes. <laughs> That's right. So speaking of Jeff, how are you today? Doing well. Doing well. Enjoying this weather. You know, kind of sad that we're stuck inside for the time being, but you know, it's oh. I'm ready to get out there and I don't know, do something. If, if, it, if it were March, it'd be great fishing weather oh, today. Oh, yes. But, but yes, being in January, was. the fish are still moving pretty slow. Yeah, I bet that's true, too. Absolutely. Well, I am so excited about the series that we are in. It's been really fun to have a couple of weeks now where we're focusing on our theme for the year, which is create. And we have been looking at the uh, creation story from the book of Genesis. There's no better place to start if we're going to talk about God's desire for us to create and who God is as a creator than to look at that story. And so last week we looked at the very first and second verses of the first chapter of Genesis, where we uh, see that God truly is a creator. And that's what Moses decided to focus on, the very first thing he wrote about, and uh, was that God was a creator. And But then this past Sunday, we talked about how God created light, and he created order out of chaos. And so I'm just going to ask you guys a question just to to uh, shoot it out of the hatch here. What are some things or habits or tools that you use to order your life? You know, that that's a great question. Um, because in, you know, I, I, I said in the, the sermon last week, I realize the older I get, the more order I need in my universe. <laughs> and so one of the 
um, things that I, I have had to use this for years. This was not an old man thing. I had to, you know, learn to be more effective of this as a younger man. Uh, calendar. You know, yes. I, I do have to write things on a calendar, you know, had to do that when you're going through college to make sure, you know, when that paper's due, when that assignment's due. So calendar was always a big one. And I was always a uh, hard copy calendar guy, even, you know, when people started getting their Palm Pilots and their Blackberries, you know, <laughs> I was still using a calendar for my stuff. But also I have discovered that I am really a person of routine. Now my routine may change some but uh i think you know i've said before so maybe some of the listeners know uh when i come into the church in the morning i do not allow myself to turn my computer on unless i have spent time reading the word and unless i have spent time in prayer and since i had my back surgery a couple of years ago uh, my prayer time is typically walking in the gym now when it's nicer sometimes i'll walk around the uh, outside of the building in our property uh but those are those are prayer time that's my routine uh you know thursday morning People know if you call, you're probably going to get voicemail because I am writing my sermon on Thursday morning, <laughs> you know, most weeks. So uh, the, just the calendar and the routine, th those are big things that help, you know, to order my life. And of course, a lot of my calendar is filled with here's what my kids are doing, you know, mm -hmm. or, or even with the church business. Uh, second Monday every month is going to be staff parish relations committee. Third Monday every mm -hmm. month is going to be finance committee. You know, fourth Sunday mm -hmm. every month is going to be, I mean, there's, there's a rhythm and a plan to, to how about you, Jeff? Uh, checklists. That's, that's one of my yeah. big things is, you know, <laughs> sitting down, getting everything thought out, you know, mentally and, mm -hmm. you know, kind of creating a checklist and okay, this thing's done and kind of go do it down that, uh, row. Uh, but, uh, do but you I, actually have, have a list that's got little boxes so you can check them off? See, I don't, I don't do the little boxes. I just oh. scratch it out. Yeah. You know? so, Those yeah. are my okay. favorite, the but, little boxes. But yeah. I love the boxes. That and, uh, you know, mainly r relying on my wife to keep me in line. <laughs> you, you have a personal organizer, that's right. and that, that's not a book or an electronic device. It is a person. Yep. <laughs> All right. That's excellent. That's excellent. So How about good. you, Pastor Stephanie? Well, you know, I'm one of those people who happens to really like the check boxes. I'm, in fact, there are times when I will write something down that I've already accomplished just so I can check it off <laughs> so that I can see that I've accomplished it. But when I think about order, I'm definitely what you said, DA, about a calendar. And I'm kind of still old school. I, I will still use a binder calendar that I can open up and check the boxes and things like that. But I love too what you said about the the monthly meetings, having something on the first Monday or the second Monday or the third Monday. And when I think about all of that and in, in the order in our lives, you know, some people would criticize that and say, oh, that's only because you want to be in control. Right. But there's a there's a definite connection with who God is and the way he creates order and then our desire to have order as well. It's not It's not necessarily a bad control issue. It really becomes an issue of how can I accomplish what I need to accomplish and, and how can I do that in the best way that God has called me to do that? And order really allows that to happen. Oh, that's, that's, that's a great word. I love that because 
there's there's one part of me that says, well, a fruit of the spirit is self control, mm-hmm. uh, and so I schedule my calendar so I can control myself. I don't think that's what really what the fruit of the the spirit is. I think that has more to do with temperament and attitude and responses. Um, right. But yeah, I, you know, God is a God of order. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he didn't just in the record we have of creation put things out there in willy-nilly fashion so well those of you that are listening i I hope that uh, our skills on how we organize our lives is very helpful to you (laughs) Uh, because i I, you know again that's the emphasis is god does create an order and as we go through this series we'll see that god created um, the universe and everything in it really with a specific kind of design that'll unfold over the next few weeks. But one of the things that um, we touched on Sunday that, that I thought was an important thing is to talk about the Bible is not a science textbook. And, and mm-hmm. it, it's interesting to me that having grown up in the church, um, it talks about how there was evening and morning, you know, the first day. And somebody told me the reason that God created light first was because there had to be an evening and a morning to know what a day was. And so some people will interpret that and they'll say, well, when it says a day, it really is a 24 hour period. Mm. And, you know, because that's what science has taught us in, in our world. And then of course, other people will uh, point to the question of, well, then when scientists say the earth is, you know, hundreds of thousands of years old or whatever <laughs> number they're using right now, you know, when did the dinosaurs live and all that? <laughs> then, you know, some people say, well, you know, a day to the Lord is like a thousand years to us. Right, and, right. And, and it's like they're trying to come up with scientific answers using the Bible. And right. I don't think that was the purpose and intent of the Bible. No. I think the Bible was written to be a theological textbook telling us about the nature and character and who God is. So yeah. I, I remember once, uh, in fact, I'd be interested to know how y'all would respond to this. I, it was a, my senior year at Oklahoma City University, and I had to have another biology credit. So I took a class in ecology and um OCU is a small school, so most of your professors, if they don't know you when you take class, they get to know you after a while. And I remember that our biology professor, Dr. Krushwitz, which would be a great name for a <laughs> linebacker, um, and everybody can hear Jeff's cell phone. Somebody's calling him while we're talking. They do not know that Stephanie is in our satellite studio. Anyhow, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Krushwitz uh, was somebody who really believed in the theory of evolution. And, and she knew from other experiences that there are Christians that really have problems and issues with the theory of evolution. Okay. And so by this time of the semester, she knew, now this is D.A. Bennett. He's a senior religion major. You know, he's going to be a United Methodist pastor. This is a United Methodist University. And she was going through all these different theories of kind of creation that people have and then Mm -hmm. she she looked at me singled me out and I I wasn't offended she didn't do it with a mean spirit but she said I do not feel the responsibility to have to teach the biblical view of creation Mm. so here's my question to you remember I was a a 20 year old 21 year old you know full of uh, vim and vigor young man uh, <laughs> and probably not the most patient individual in the world and and i made a response but how do y'all think you would have responded when your professor said that 
<laughs> when they single you out in front of the entire classroom, uh, loose translation, if somebody said, you know, was offended by what happened to him and say, well, yeah, you know, preacher boy, you explained to us, you know, why I should have to teach the biblical view of creation when I am a scientist. You know, I mean, how, how would you address that? <laughs> Um, I, I, I strung that question out long enough so y'all could think <laughs> of an answer, but I do want to remind you, I did not have that luxury. <laughs> no, I, I, I can't wait to hear how you were trying You know, I think it's interesting, too, when we separate uh, a biblical worldview from other worldviews. Obviously, they are there are different worldviews. Right. But when you are at a Christian university, to me, it would reason to say— you know, there is no other worldview by which I would ever operate. So I'd like to hear your take on the uh, biblical worldview of, of this idea. But man, I don't know. What what did you say? I'm curious. You know, it, it's one of those moments where, uh, you know, again, I felt put on the spot. And sometimes, you know, the Holy Spirit really does speak through us in ways that yes. I think are encouraging. And, and I wasn't offended, you know, even though I would, had been singled out. And when she said, as a scientist, I don't feel like it's my job to do this. And my response was, but as an educator, don't you have to bring all theories into the realm of possibility? Oh, mm. yes. Um, oh, that's so, so And good. so, uh, again, <laughs> I'm not that smart. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to give God credit for that because it, it allowed us then, not just between you know professor and student, but in the classroom to have a discussion because I, I, I clearly got what she was saying. As a scientist, right. she had her formulas and she had her way of looking at things, and I did not talk to her as a scientist i talked to her as an educator in a mm -hmm. liberal arts school where it's like well there's all these theories out there and so right. you know as an educator uh you have to admit there are problems with the scientific view it's just the one that's most comfortable to you <laughs> that's so true you know i i think it's interesting I, I i love this idea of helping people understand that the bible was not intended to be a science textbook. And, you know, I remember the first time I read someone's take on that and they said, uh, they said it would be as if you were going to your uh, car maintenance manual to figure out how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah, huh. You know, you're not going to go to this specific book to get certain answers. You will go to get other answers. Right. And I think that's important for people to understand when they're reading the, the Bible and as a whole, I, th I think that's important. That, that that's that's a great example uh, of you know what is what something is meant for when it's written down. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I absolutely love that. And so, you know, we we talked about the Bible's not a scientific textbook. Now that doesn't mean that it doesn't have scientific stuff in it. Uh, right. and, and honestly, we, we love it whenever the scientific community discovers something that really affirms what we believe in the Bible. I, I don't want us to create an atmosphere where theology and science are at odds with each other. That's right. not what we're trying to do. And again, that was the, the point. The Bible is to tell us about God. And so when we look at day one of creation, um, what we find is God speaking and saying, let there be light. And part of what then we need to pull out of that theologically is that the nature and character of God is light. 
That's mm-hmm. the first revelation of who God is, of what God is like, and, and how we can relate to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, uh, when, when I say that, I, you know, does that generate any thoughts of you? Well, here's some of the things the Bible says about light and about God being light. Yes. Oh, absolutely. You know, one of the first things that comes to mind would be uh, something you spoke about during our covenant series, which was the covenant that God made with Abraham right? and how in that covenant, he used a, a covenant that was familiar to Abraham where they were cutting a covenant between a, you know, two, two powers, one that was a greater power and one that was a lesser power. And, and then God puts Abraham in, into a deep sleep. And in that sleep, Abraham sees that the animals that were cut apart in, in uh, in the cutting of this covenant split in two. And what should have happened is that Abraham should have been the one to walk through those split animals in the terms of the covenant, reciting those terms, saying that if I don't abide by this, then let it be to me as it is to these animals. But instead, God showed up in the form of this blazing oven or this blazing fire pot, and he walks through the animals, you know, saying, in essence, if, if you don't abide by the terms of this covenant, then let it be to me as these animals are, which is what we see in the fulfillment of Jesus Christ, because God took sin upon himself uh, in that. But but what I love in that is that he he showed himself as fire, as light. As light, right. Yeah, and I, I think if Abraham had responded appropriately, and by appropriately, I mean the way I would have done it, uh, he would have said, goodness gracious, great balls of fire. Of fire. <laughs> Okay, so so maybe not, but uh, yeah, that's a great one, Jeff. You were talking about one uh, in our uh, pre-recording meeting about you know how you see God, and and as I sit here and think about that, yeah, God was showing Himself as light. Why don't you tell people what that was? Yeah, so and I had the question, you know, when when was the first uh, manifestation of uh, God to to a human, and and the the big one that comes to mind for me was uh, Moses and the burning bush, right? And you know, obviously, fire admits light mm-hmm. but uh the the amazing part of that story was the bush was not consumed right by yeah. the fire yeah and, and if you ever watch the old cecil b demille epic story the ten commandments it happens at night so the fire really was giving light there and uh, you know we just see that in in so many places um you know jesus in the gospel of john is quoted as saying i am the light of the world um, John, when when giving his narrative of Jesus coming into the world, doesn't talk about the birth, but he describes it as light has come into the world and the mm-hmm. darkness has not overcome it. And so all these things, I think, just reaffirm that, that God is light. But John also points out something that uh, Isaiah had pointed to, and that was John says that God is light, in him is no darkness, mm-hmm. but that people love darkness rather than light. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, we don't really see that as part of the creation. We see that as part of the fall of creation because, again, originally when God reveals himself as light and, you know, goes through the rest of the created order, even though there's morning and there's evening, you know, there's day and night, uh, we still sense that God is light. And that's why even at night there's a lesser light of the moon that that helps to illuminate things but that that adam and eve walked with the light they walked in the light until they sin and after that point it seems like people have this 
affinity and attraction to darkness. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's so interesting for you to bring that up because there really is that uh, that line that we have to draw between light and dark. And, you know, another example I think of at, when God showed himself as light and how it connected to our choice to let him live in us is that when uh, the tabernacle was built, he he lit a fire in the tabernacle as a sign of his presence. Right. Right, but yeah. Then, yeah, but then later when uh, the church was born, it, you know, after Jesus had ascended into heaven and then then God as the Holy Spirit comes resting on people's heads as tongues of fire is this connection there of the fact that, you know, God's presence was in the tabernacle as fire, but it was in a place where only one person could go one time a year. Right. And but then now, because of what Jesus has done, we have become the temple of God's Holy Spirit. And so his fire, his light rests in us. And and the beauty of that is it goes back to what you said just a moment ago. You know, we chose darkness. We we had everything we could have ever wanted and we chose darkness, but God still made a way for his light to be present, but not just to be present, to actually live in us so that then we can be the light of the world because the light of the world is alive in us. It's just so, it's so amazing. Right. And, and the, the symbolism of how we worship on Sunday mornings is that when we begin to worship, uh, you know, on those Sundays, when we have people that are doing it, the acolytes come in with fire mm-hmm. to light the candles and remind us that God is present with us. But then at the close of the service, they take the flame then out of the worship center to remind us that we are to go into the world, that we are to be the light of Christ yeah. in the world. And, you know, the, the, the whole struggle with, you know, loving darkness instead of light, one of the things, and, and perhaps this is too much of an oversimplification, but when we think about a lot of crime that exists, you know, mm-hmm. theft, burglary, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a sneak attack of violence or something, a mm-hmm. lot of times uh, those things happen after dark. Right. And and if it's bold, somebody will say, can you believe they did that in broad daylight? Uh, you know, <laughs> right. it, it's the whole idea that, that there's something about light that is good and something about darkness that is, is not good and that we yeah. love darkness more than we love light because our deeds are evil. That's what the scripture said. But yeah. this, you know, again, going back to God revealing himself as, as light, the helpful thing for me is that light is a symbol of life. Light mm. is a symbol of the salvation that God promises. Even whenever um, we have sinned, even when we love darkness instead of light, God does not abandon us and banish us, as it were, to outer yeah. darkness. God continues to pursue us and call us back into the light. Yeah, that is, that is so, so true. And, and it reminds me of of your last point on Sunday when you're talking about the fact that God is still light. He had the ability to create light, but he in essence is light. And when I think about the book of revelation and, and all that, that Jesus reveals to John in that book, and then towards the end in chapter 21, 
uh, God says there there is no longer a sun or a moon right. because God is the one. God is alive. Wow, I hadn't even thought of that. That that is very helpful. Um, you know, and I, I I tried to relate it because I thought it was such a good point you'd made in the previous week that that God has creative ways to solve every mm-hmm. problem we have, and 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 ultimately that's what we wanted. Uh, people to understand it's not just that God is light and this is who God is and and you love darkness you know it's right, right. it's that even though we have love darkness God is trying to provide creative solutions to the problems that we find ourselves in and and the reality then becomes even though we change even though we continually mess up God has always been faithful same God that appeared in a blazing fire pot to Abraham. Same God that was appearing to Moses through a bush that burned but was not mm. consumed. Same God that appeared in flesh and lived as a man named Jesus. Still the same, still offering us hope, still offering us love and praise him, still offering us mercy and forgiveness. Mm. Yes, so, amen to that. So uh, you know, as we uh, conclude our uh, podcast today, Pastor Stephanie, do you have any closing thoughts you want to share with anybody? Well, I just hope uh, that each one of our listeners is continuing to pray about how God is calling you to be creative this year. I think that God has some really exciting things in store for uh, each of us individually, but also as a community of faith. And and this idea that there's going to be something new at the end of this year that wasn't there at the beginning of the year because of God's creative spirit alive within us. So I'm excited as people pray about that to see what God is calling each of us to do because I know he's gifted us each in a very special way to be creative. So I just encourage our listeners to be in prayer about that. Oh, awesome word. And friends, we uh, do want to say that we're here every Sunday right now. We are still on our schedule of three services. Now, those of you that listen, that join us online, uh, you may want to know that crowds are still small here. Even though we we gather, we have three services. 815 is our uh, traditional service, and then 930 and 1050. we're we understand that we're living in a time where there's still concern about the pandemic and COVID-19 and what's going on and and we know that uh just from watching the news and how this is affecting our public schools and school teachers that uh, there's a lot of concern out there uh I was visiting with my personal physician last night just letting him know hey I'm praying for you I know things are crazy right now and he's like you have no idea how crazy things are Um, and so while it is our hope that you would join us on site we also understand if you're unable to do that and you feel safer we're so glad that you join us online we always ask that you would give us a shout out and text here to let us know that you're watching we also uh, would want to remind you that uh, yes pay attention as pastor stephanie said we believe god's going to do some good things we also believe God has shown us a few of those things that we'll be announcing over the course of the year. Um, and we just trust that uh, God is doing good things in our church. And when we participate in the church, that helps us to know that God th- is doing good things in our lives as well. So thank you again for listening. We will be with you again next week. God bless. Hey friends, D.A. Bennett, St. Andrews Community United Methodist Church. I want you to know that we are discovering some real blessing and benefit of digital discipleship, but we also want to talk to you about subscribing to our YouTube channel. Again, it's under the church's name, and you'll get some 
different uh, video devotions each day. So if you're looking for another venue, maybe it'll work for you. God bless.